0: it's the horror podcast for queers with fears my name is ashton but you can call me silky and this is my friend hi i'm
1: megan uh i've known ashton for a very long time you have (laughs) yeah
0: i i'm trying to think who in this podcast has known me like who i've invited so far has known me the longest i think audrey has you beat by a little bit. I mean, technically, she's known me since elementary school. We just, like, weren't actually friends until high school. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you were friends with me until... Af- in Since after freshman year.
1: Yeah, it was, like, the summer between freshman and sophomore year, I think, was when we met.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> since we're talking about when we met, I might as well tell the, the a little bit of the story of how we first met. Um, we were both in... Uh, I was doing theater with uh a director who I had done a lot of theater with when I was a kid and she was finally like reopening her community theater and Megan was completely new to the group never had met her before um I don't know how you found out that this was like a thing
1: My mom had like heard about her through somebody cuz we were looking at 6th mm-hmm. Street Playhouse but they're like oh, yeah, yeah. um Final, like their dress rehearsal was during a time where I'd be away So we couldn't do that. But then they're like, here's this other one called clear heart. And we're like, oh, oh, Oh. (laughs) this could work. Yeah. So,
0: so, um, yeah, so uh, Megan showed up uh, a little late on the first day because she lived like a town over. So it just took her a while to get there. Um. And she she showed up, and our our director Leslie like welcomed her in, and was like, "Oh yeah, here's some of like the cold reads we're gonna be doing or whatever." And you were just like laughing super loud, like being like friendly, but you have like a very naturally loud laugh. Um, people say it sounds like like a guinea pig or a hamster. Um, and my first thought was just, "What is wrong with this
1: girl?" <laughs> That, that I feel like is a common And then thought. we became friends. <laughs> there are definitely times where I feel like people's first impression of me, especially like in college was like, is she on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just really bubbly. Well, yeah, like I'm just bubbly and loud. So people are just like, how do we handle this? Like,
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me- Megan, Megan and I both get like... I feel like we both get this thing from people, where like people think we're like manic pixie dream girls or whatever. Oh, like
1: for sure, there are definitely times like when yeah. I first heard about it, where I'm like, "There's something weird that I resonate with, but I don't like it."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I have gotten that with guys so much. Like the only like I, I don't get hit on. Like not, mm. I don't get like catcalled or anything. Not normally. The only guys who ever take any interest in me are, like, kind of, like, nerdy, shyer guys who are, like, oh, this is, like, the one. This one's weird and quirky. And I'm like, "Eh, no, I'm gay. Please stop. I definitely Um, feel that. (laughs) Anyways, um, so today we are here to review Jennifer's body. Whoop, whoop. Now this was your your choice. I bit, like I told everybody like, hey, bring in a movie for kind of like a get to know you episode that we'll review one on one. And you brought up this, and your your second choice was Scream. Yeah. But I decided I wanted to do this one as soon as possible because this is a queer horror podcast, and this is a very gay movie. Oh, so gay. <laughs> um. Now I did I did want to point out because I thought this was really funny and it's timely. Um. So. You're also really into Bratz.
1: Oh, 100%. The, the Bratz dolls.
0: Yeah, you basically pi- buy, like, any piece of Bratz merchandise you can get your hands on at this point. <laughs>
1: yeah, they're great.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's, like, the whole joke online of, like, oh, somebody's, like, the Bratz friend, or the Barbie friend, or, like, the mermaid friend, or the vampire friend, or whatever. You are the Bratz friend. That's oh. the one thing I'm super sure about.
1: For sure. I love those girls.
0: <laughs> so, Bratz has been, like, making a comeback recently, which is why you're you've been buying like a ton of their merch um and they have a tiktok now and i know you know this that the the brats tiktok put out a an animation recreating the famous scene from jennifer's body the the i am a god scene yeah i i don't know if you saw but a couple of days later they also put one out of the scene from the beginning of scream with drew barrymore
1: Oh, I follow them on Instagram, so I have seen so- all their horror stuff because they did an entire line for horror, where they would yeah. did a bunch of recreations. And
0: I, I just thought it was so funny that that was the other <laughs> movie they decided to do, and yeah. those were the two movies you had brought up to me. Me and Brad's resonate on a spiritual level. I know but- it was just like God. This is proof. This is like they're tapped into Megan's psyche. <laughs> oh, they know what
1: she wants. A hundred percent. Uh, they get me, and I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I, I know personally how much you love this movie, but I- I- for the sake of the podcast, I'm gonna ask you, so why did you bring this movie here today? Why is this the one that you wanted to do so badly?
1: So, I have loved Megan Fox since the first time I heard her name. Yes, it's partly because we share the same name actually that's (gasps) entirely why as a child i was like i love her but that's so valid (laughs) so i love her and then i remember seeing trailers for this movie as a kid but something and i always resonated with like something about it like i'm like this is really cool and then i saw a video about the marketing for this movie and I'm just oh, like, yeah. this movie has so much in it that was misunderstood, and yeah. definitely partly because it is a movie focused on female friendships and things that were not marketed that way. Yeah. <laughs> and I also love it because it's Megan Fox's favorite work, that, at least for yeah. a long time, and yeah, probably that, still to the day.
0: That's what I've heard, too. Um I saw um, a bit of an interview from her. I don't know how recent it was, where she was talking about the cult following of this movie, and how because of it she has been labeled a bi icon, and how she's that one of her like proudest achievements because she herself is bisexual. So, yeah, I just I think
1: this movie really encapsulates a lot of like things I love, like Megan Fox. Mm-hmm. All of Jennifer's outfits are outfits I would hundred percent wear today especially yeah. her iconic like pink one with the hearts on it with the heart earrings
0: oh yeah me
1: too so good and um amanda S- amanda steadfast i think his name or sign sign fred Psy fred yeah i also just just so
0: everyone knows megan gets names mixed up a lot so names are not my friend <laughs> yeah but i will i will be here and honestly it'll be fun yeah. <laughs> it's always great it's the you eventually. just kind of have to know what she means. Yeah, you just
1: kind of have to guess and be like, is this what you mean? And I'm like, I think so.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but Amanda Seyfried, she was in Mean Girls. She was Karen. She was also in Mamma
1: Mia. And so she's like mm-hmm. another character or another actress who I love. And yeah. so it's like, these are two actresses who I love doing a movie that explores something that I deeply understand.
0: Yeah. Um, I... I also have, like, a really weirdly personal connection to this movie um, that I've always been, like, a little aware of, but I'd never watched the movie until today when I finished it. Um, And we're recording this, like, literally just after I finished the movie, so it's very fresh in my head. Um, But the thing is, I, when I was in elementary school, I was best friends with a girl named Jennifer. And, like, we were in a near-identical situation to jennifer and needy um just that it didn't last all the way up until high school um we met in like kindergarten and we were friends up until like fourth grade where she suddenly broke things off with me um to go hang out with the cooler more popular kids um because she was already she kind of had an in with them but i was like more of the weird kid and we just happened to be friends still um so i can definitely really relate to needy also through the fact that like I mean, I I am a lesbian. I'm gay. I like girls. Um, and there's something, uh, to me, this movie, like, people, I've seen people debate with this movie about, like, well, is Needy in love with Jennifer or does she hate Jennifer or whatever? And, like, people who argue that, like, I feel like they don't get it because I feel like almost every sapphic has that experience of like that friend who you had when you were a kid who was kind of toxic for you but they were so important and so integral to your life that at the same time you look back on it and you were like I was also kind of in love with her
1: oh a hundred percent or you just like there are just so many times where it's like it's both it doesn't have to be one or the other that's this is a nuanced take and a very honest look at, like, what it's like, like, what you're talking about, that friendship that yeah. you have that's really not good, but it's so important to you. Because I've definitely had a couple over my life, and it's just yeah, kind of, I think, a common story for so many femmes, or just people in general, to have these friendships that are just so toxic.
0: Yeah. And I, like, yeah, I think this is, this movie is, like, such an excellent exploration of female friendship, but especially female friendship for, like, like, blossoming sapphics who don't really know exactly what it is that they want yet. Um, because Jennifer and Needy are both, like, they're obviously both meant to like women. Like, that's confirmed in the movie. Um, but... Yeah, I. I mean, this it's so good. It's so good. I'm so glad good. I finally watched it. So good. Um, we will get more into the the talk of those themes as we as we go through it. Um. So yeah, A- anything else you want to say before we we dive right in?
1: No, I don't think so. Just you know, love Megan Fox.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you really do. Yeah,
1: I'm basic. In I my love need. her too.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Okay. So. Um, so we start the movie, we open in on, um, Needy, our main character, short for Anita, but she only gets called out, like, twice in the movie, so whatever. Um, we open in on her in a jail cell. Mm. Um, and she's- do you know what she's doing? It's not, like, crochet or, or knitting. I know you're, like, first in that kind of stuff. I- I'd have
1: to relook look at it, but I assume it's something along those lines. It might be- Yeah. Just something where they might not give her, like, super short needles, so it might be more like croquet.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's she's doing something with some yarn. Um, But she she has a bunch of just letters sitting on the floor. Tons of gifts. um, And she says that a lot of them are from, like, Jesus, Jesus freaks who want her to get better or whatever. Um, But it seems like a decent amount of them, just from the visual cues, are also, like, love letters.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Which...
0: Is weird because she's in jail, right? Yeah. Um And then um we we see some like shots of her changing and she's got weird scars on her and it's like all this setup to just be like, What the fuck is going on with this girl? This is weird, right? Um And we also get like a bunch of hints that she's like really weirdly strong, right? Mm hmm. Like she breaks a tether ball when she tries to use it. She kicks the shit out of a nurse who's telling her to eat something more than just Pop-Tarts. I do the same. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, so she gets put in solitary confinement for the, the nurse kicking incident. Um, and then we get a flashback all the way to the start of... Well, okay, we, like, the beginning is in media res, and then we get a second in media res, and then we go back to the start. It's a little weird, but the rest of the movie is, like, in chronological order. And it ends up, I think it works. Yeah. Um, so, um, first of all, we get introduced to our setting for the rest of the movie, which is Devil's Kettle, like, a super small town that's named after this weird waterfall. Mm -hmm. Um... That turns into, like, a whirlpool whole thing. And nobody knows where it goes.
1: You don't need to so, in
0: Devil's Kettle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't need to. It's not important. Definitely not important. That's We're not bringing it up for any reason right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see a bunch of, like, scientist guys throwing, like, like it, it looks like ping pong balls in there, basically. Like, orange ping pong balls. Um, and Needy says, nobody has ever figured out where the things that they threw in there went. The scientist guys never figured out. Um, so, then we go to our our second uh, in-media res thing, where we, we zoom in to Jennifer's house, and she's in bed watching this aerobics video. As you do. I do want to say, I wrote this down because I was confused about it, and it still doesn't make any sense to me. There's a horse in her front yard. Did you notice this? No, that just makes me. There's just there's just a horse in her front yard, just chilling.
1: That just makes me think. Oh, this is a rural town where like you can have like horses and shit. Because some people like keep farm animals in the front yard instead of the backyard.
0: I guess. Yeah, that I. You know what? That's a good enough explanation. That makes sense. Because we see later that this is like this is a really small town, and I like how they develop the setting and how it works for the movie. Um, so yeah, she's watching some, like, weird, uh, like, kind of sexual aerobics video, um, and then we see that Needy is in, like, a black hoodie, just, like, staring at her through the window. Um, and then we go back, back to, like, the actual very start. Um, so we have... And this is, like, a pretty... There's so many, like, famous scenes from this movie that, like, everybody knows about. Like, I knew half of the lines in this movie before I ever watched it. (laughs) Um. But we have, uh, Jennifer at, like, a big sports game. I don't even know what sport they're playing. It doesn't matter. Um. And she's in, like, a cheerleader uniform doing, like, color guard shit. And she's smiling at Needy, who's in the crowd. They, like, wave at each other. Um. And I I do want to point out the song that's playing in the background is um, Not Gonna Teach Your Boyfriend How to Dance With You by the Black Kids, Mm. um, which is a song that I love and that I knew before watching this movie. Um, So that song is sung by a male performer, to my knowledge, Um, but it is actually written from the perspective of his sister, who is a lesbian.
1: hmm Definitely no gay undertones there.
0: Yeah, especially not when the queerest girl I've ever seen in my life tells Needy that she's totally lesb-gay.
1: Yeah, like, they're definitely <laughs> hinting at something.
0: Yeah, I I just, I find it so funny that it's this girl who has, like, like, fringe bangs and, like, big glasses. She's, like, a little, like, Asian girl with, like, a bob and colorful glasses, and she's, like, you're totally lesbian. Like, you're the gayest-looking girl I've ever seen in my life, okay? Like,
1: <laughs> they they knew what they were doing, and it's just <laughs> obvious.
0: Yeah, um, uh, Needy also has a line about how sandbox love never dies, like, right from the start. They're very blatant about the fact that this is a very homoerotic friendship yeah
1: (laughs) yeah this is definitely not your um atypical like what you think of when you think of like the friends trope
0: yeah especially Um, at the time yeah so and and this movie was made in in 2009 um so of course they name dropped myspace you gotta it may be dead now but it was living then yeah, there there are so many things in this movie that make it like one of the most two thousands movies I have ever seen. Like it's very very two thousands, like the fashion, very two thousands, but like late two thousands, where like it's tacky without being like terrible. Like I like most of the outfits in this movie.
1: Yeah, it definitely they they knew the era was set in and it didn't care if it got aged.
0: Yeah um and just the the slang and the way that people talk is like weird like it's entertainingly cringy. like when when Jennifer says that uh needy's boyfriend is jealous she says you're jello you're totally lime green lime green jello and it's like nobody says that but it does sound like something they would have said in the early in the in the 2000s yeah and it's like
1: you know teenagers say dumb shit sometimes and that's they just do. like that feels like something, you know, someone might have said at some point. Because, you know what? Someone is jelly.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Jennifer convinces Needy to go to a concert with her. Because she is into the lead singer of this band, Low Shoulder. And they're playing at the the little venue in their town. Um. And, uh, she tells Needy to wear something cute. Um. In a very, like, gay way, as she checks her out. Um, so, we, we cut to, um, Needy trying out different outfits in her bedroom while hanging out with Chip, her boyfriend. So this is the first time we get to meet him. Chip is... I don't know how to feel about Chip, honestly, after finishing the movie. that That's fair. That's kind of how I feel. Like, I think he's okay, but yeah, he
1: feels like a lot of people, like especially queer people's first boyfriend.
0: Yeah. I, like, to me, I feel like Megan Fox's character is very clearly, like Jennifer's very clearly meant to be bi. I don't know how I feel about Needy. If I think she's bi or maybe she's a closeted lesbian. I mean, she's not straight. But Chip is very, like, He's very neutral boyfriend guy. You yeah, know? like,
1: that's what I mean by, like, the first, because, like, when I see him, I'm like, oh, that's, like, my first boyfriend who is kind of, like, yeah. non-interesting, but he had a very, like, kind of neutral demeanor, didn't really, like, wasn't super aggressive, but wasn't, like, he just was kind of, not bland, but, like, that kind of, like, feeling around him
0: yeah he's very non-threatening but he's not and him and Needy care about each other but he's far from being a perfect boyfriend like there are some moments in this movie where it's like hmm that's not really great Um, but he's definitely meant to be more of a sympathetic character than Jennifer and you're meant to like him more more than Jennifer Um, yes so yeah um,
1: yeah, he's interesting, but like not in like the way you expect a boyfriend to be.
0: Yeah, I'm like, for me, I'm just kind of like i I wonder what the creator's intent was with him. Um, God, uh, we haven't even mentioned that this uh the this movie was written by Diablo Cody, who also wrote Juno. I think this was like her next big movie coming off of the success of Juno.
1: Yeah. So the way that it worked is after she got a Oscar for the screenplay of Juno, mm-hmm. the um like it like oh what the studio was like yeah go ahead like write whatever you want and so she's like cool I'm gonna write the scariest thing I know teenage girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then she wrote. This, um, pl- uh, the script, and then it got chopped around for a bit, and then they finally got picked up by a Fox like subsidiary, like a smaller like production company mm-hmm. under Fox. And she also got a female director. I'm forgetting the director's name, but it's another. Yeah, I,
0: I have it, um, here, uh, Karen Kusuma.
1: Mm, yeah, so they were like these two women who like worked together to produce this film that was meant to be for women.
0: Yeah. Also, Just want to say Karen Kusuma also directed The Invitation, which is a movie that I fucking love and I need to cover on this podcast one day. It's, it's a fucking incredible movie and it does not get enough credit for being so fucking awesome. Um, but yeah. yeah. So, um, like I said, Jennifer's into the lead singer of this band, Low Shoulder. Um, and, uh, while Jen, uh, while sorry, Needy is changing into different outfits. Chip kind of points out that Needy always does what Jennifer asks and they don't really have anything in common, right? Like, they're so different. Um, And it's it's really obvious, especially when Jennifer shows up, that Jen and Chip do not like each other.
1: No. They have this definitely, like, you know... Like, I feel like with a lot of these, like, toxic friendships, the one in control never likes when the other one cuts a partner. Yeah. And, like, I've definitely had a time with, like, one of my shitty friends when, like, ever I'd get a boyfriend, she'd be like, I don't approve, not good enough, like, this one's shitty. Yeah. And so it's just this, like, this constant, like, I feel, like, power dynamic where it's like, oh, you might leave because of this person, so
0: I gotta make sure
1: I stay in control.
0: Yeah, and, like... With that behavior, it kind it does like just automatically kind of breed like the the thought of like something between you two because like what when I see this in the movie, like my first thought is like, oh, Jennifer's jealous of Chip because she wants needy. And whether or not that is true, which in this case, I think it is it, like it it can come off that way. And if you're in that situation in real life, if you see, especially when you're young and vulnerable, if you see your best friend kind of getting jealous like that and you are questioning, then there's this thought, like, you might just get kind of hopeful and kind of start to want that, even if it's not good for you.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, but yeah, so, um... Uh Jennifer and Needy leave to go to Melody Lane together, which it's pointed out it's not really a club, it's barely even a bar, it's like this like rinky-dink little tavern that somehow they just happen to get this cool indie band to play there. Yeah. Um, and and when they walk in, um they the the like bouncers there draw X's on their hands and Sharpie to show that they're minors. And I immediately had a flashback to the the only like concert at a venue that I've ever been to, which I went to with you. Um where we saw Ghost Town and Black Veil Brides and who else was there?
1: Memphis Mayfire.
0: Yeah, okay. We went for Ghost Town specifically though, because you love Ghost Town. Yeah. Um and I love them too. But um I just remember them doing that to us right there, and I was all like, I don't know, this is a nice detail. I'm like, yeah. That is what people do sometimes. Um, then my next note says, "What the fuck? It's Mario!" Because <laughs> Chris Pratt is there. Yeah, God. Chris Pratt is just playing like a like a cop in training, like a, a, a cadet. And yeah. And he's, he's just in like this one scene, and he doesn't really matter after this.
1: He kind of just like is feels like he's there to help, like confirm who Jennifer is and how she is with men. Yeah, with men. Because, yeah. They, like, the, kind of had a fling once. It's at least alluded to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She she confirms later that she's she slept with this guy, Roman. Um, and she kind of, like, flirts with him and, like, mocks him simultaneously. Like, she's, like, negging him. Which is kind of, it's fun to see a girl do that instead of a guy. Um. Even if it's, like, that's not a good thing to do, but still, like, part of me is like, yes, girl power, you know?
1: Oh, for sure, and that's also just showing, like, how much power Jennifer has, not just with Needy, but, like, with people. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's, um, there's a, a line just a, a moment later where, uh, because Jennifer wants to go talk to the, the, the band, um, And she says to Needy that they're just boys. We have all the power because we have something that they want. Um, And I think that really shows like what her worldview is and the way she thinks of things. Like even before what happens in this movie, you get the sense that Jennifer's not a great person. You know, like she really becomes evil afterwards, but she's a very flawed person to begin with.
1: Oh, for sure. And she definitely, like, has that mean girl, like, trope in her. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not shown from that way in the same way that, like, Mean Girls does it. Yeah. Because our, like, point of view character, Needy, is best friends with her.
0: Yeah, she's already, she's already, like, sucked deep into it. And also because I think at this point, like, Jennifer is a redeemable person, for sure. Like, she's not... She's, she's kind of toxic, but, like, she has the opportunity to get better and grow. She's still in high school. Whereas, you know, she gets sucked into this weird thing, and now, you know, she, she's she isn't. She's of... killing boys. Um. But, yeah. uh, yeah, so we have Adam Brody as the, the lead singer of this band, um, who I know from Ready or Not, which is, like, one of my favorite movies, um... And so, Jennifer introduces her, herself, and Needy, but mostly herself. Um, and I wrote, Shang levels of flirting here, because she goes, you guys are, like, really good at, like, playing your instruments. Which, to (laughs) me, just feels like you fight good.
1: Yeah, it definitely feels like her trying to play up the innocence kind of
0: like, mm. I don't
1: know music, but, like, I think you're cute.
0: Yeah, which which comes into play later. Um, so Needy overhears the the band members debating whether or not Jennifer's a virgin. Um, and she confronts them about it because they're being weird. Um, and tells them that, like, yeah, she is a virgin and she's also too good for you. Um, which we find out very shortly isn't true. Jennifer's is not a virgin.
1: And I think the line goes, I'm not even a backdoor virgin. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I I do like how this movie treats Jennifer's sexuality as, like... I mean, it becomes an evil thing through the fact that she's killing boys, but it never feels like the movie's trying to slut-shame her. Like, it's weird how, like, I... Her sexuality is literally evil in the context of the movie, but it's not evil in that way and maybe part of it is through comparing it to needy who does have a sexual relationship with her boyfriend as well of like sex isn't being portrayed as a bad thing it's what jennifer's doing that's a bad thing
1: yeah like the movie isn't taking a stance on like judging these women and these girls these teenagers Mm. for having sex or it's like yeah that's just what you do who cares like how many or who's it with or if you are the popular girl who's getting with guys. Oh well, yeah, good like at least you're owning it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like it portrays sexuality very frankly. Um, so uh, the the band starts playing um, and they play a song, uh, I believe it's called through the Trees, which you hear a million times during this movie. Um, and uh, Jennifer, Holds Needy's hand while the band plays, and she's like just staring at the stage super intensely. And we kind of get like Needy looking at her, seeming like kind of jealous that she's so weirdly entranced. And she like lets go of Jennifer's hand.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then a fire starts, and it starts really. It spreads so fast.
1: It's definitely a natural fire. Nothing supernatural going on here, folks.
0: Nothing weird about that fire. Um. And, oh my god, it, like, things go from zero to eleven so quick. There are people on fire, people being trampled, like, things are going crazy. Um, so, Nini takes Jennifer's hand and rushes her out. Um, they go into the bathroom and they go up through a window and she has to, like, drag Jennifer out because Jennifer's still totally entranced. Um, which she assumes is just Jennifer's in, like, shock, which would make sense, right?
1: Yeah, it's a natural reaction to seeing, you know, this local, uh, hangout spot go up in flames.
0: Exactly. Um, so they make it out safe, um, and the lead singer, Nikolai, is out there and just being, like, way too casual for what the fuck just happened.
1: And, like, he was, like, in the middle of this thing, too, and we don't see him leave. We don't- Yeah. He just shows up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just there suddenly with, like, a, some alcohol. And he, like, he, he asked Jennifer to go with him and forces her to drink some alcohol that he's, he's got, like, the drink that he was holding. Um, and Edie tries to stop her, but Jennifer decides to go with them. But it's really obvious that it's not necessarily willing. You know, she's been coerced yeah. into this.
1: Yeah, um, it's definitely, like... Um you can tell just by, like, the way that the film is um, framing it that it's like, this isn't okay.
0: Yeah. I, I, and I think maybe this is what makes me really sure that, like, Jennifer, that the movie isn't shaming Jennifer for her sexuality because we have all of these things. Like, Jennifer's not a very nice girl. She's very overtly sexual and stuff. And while we find out later that she didn't get raped, that's not what happened, What does happen is very clearly an allegory for rape.
1: Oh, 100%. And it's definitely like, there's like, the line when Jennifer gets in the car, I'm pretty sure Needy says something about the band member, and about him being creepy. And I'm like, this this is an honest thing that people will say about him.
0: Yeah. Or like, what about
1: someone like that?
0: Yeah, and when Needy calls Chip afterwards, she's worried that that's what happened and that Jennifer possibly got taken away to be assaulted. Um, But the movie makes it really clear, like, obviously Jennifer didn't deserve this and this shouldn't have happened to her. Like, Jennifer doesn't need to be, like, the perfect victim or whatever, you know? Like, there's no sort of... They're there's no pets. implication that she, because she dressed this way or because she did this or this or that, you know, that she could have avoided this.
1: Yeah, there's none of the statement of, like, oh, like, she was asking for it or whatever. It was just, like, these people are shitty and predators and she got picked yeah. because of their misjudgment.
0: Mm-hmm. Not
1: because of anything Jennifer did.
0: Yeah, so, um, like I said, Needy is calling Chip. Um, and she tells him all about the fire and how Jennifer got taken, and this is one of those moments where I'm like, I don't know how to feel about Chip because he literally says that he, like, doesn't give a shit about what happened to Jennifer because people died in the fire. Like, I mean, like, I, I, yeah, people dying in the fire is fucked up, Chip, but you can be concerned about multiple things at once. You're, obviously your, your girlfriend's gonna be worried about her best friend, like, disappearing and probably getting assaulted
1: this is definitely like chip not like fully grasping the relationship that needy and jennifer have
0: yeah and
1: like just being like oh she's shitty so why do you care needy yeah or like he sees her as being this like like evil as he states later and it's like yeah and needy still really cares about her so you should give a little bit more effort my dude
0: so um the doorbell rings and nobody's there, so Needy gets off the phone. She's like, I'm probably just like imagining things, I'm weirded out. Um, but then Jennifer's in her kitchen. So Yeah. And she's all covered in blood. She's she's not looking great. Yeah. Um she doesn't say anything to Needy when Needy asks what's wrong, what's going on? She just smiles creepily at her. Yeah.
1: And then definitely she... nothing
0: wrong. Yeah, definitely nothing wrong. Um, so she goes through Needy's fridge and just takes, like, a rotisserie ch- grocery store chicken out of, like, a little plastic container and just starts, like, trying to shovel it into her mouth with her bare hands. Um, but she just ends up screeching and then vomiting out a bunch of blood. It's...
1: <laughs> I that, think that, that it's, like blood and like goo, because at least when I, I remember seeing it as like black almost.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a dark scene, but like we see it do this thing where like it spikes upwards, like it's defying gravity, um, and Needy is understandably really freaked out, um, and she goes to to try and grab her phone, um, but Jennifer stops her. And, um, asks her if she's afraid. And we get this, we get this, like, close-up of her lips right next to, to Needy's neck. It's very gay. Um. Yeah. And then Jennifer just leaves. So, what the fuck? Um, Something
1: weird just happened here.
0: Yeah. We also get, um, when Needy when goes back to school the next day, we get a little flashback of them as kids. Um. Where we see that Jennifer was always kind of a little bit mean to Needy, even when they were little. Um, making her play with the doll that she didn't like. Um, and, uh, but Jen shows up at school. Like, everything's just PG, Like, it's all normal. It's all fine.
1: That um, that kitchen scene last night never happened. Fire, yeah. she?
0: Yeah, so she, she admits, like, she acknowledges that the fire at least happened, but is like... She totally dismisses it, like, it is just, like, really rude about the people dying when the the teacher, their teacher is talking about it in class. Their teacher is played by J.K. Simmons, by the way, which, so many people in this movie, like, that I just, like, oh, I know that guy, I know that guy, I know all these people.
1: There's so many Um, little treats.
0: Yeah, so, um, and, but yeah, she just kind of pretends that the, the kitchen scene never happened and kind of implies that Needy is, like, losing it and this is because of trauma. Like, she's straight-up gaslighting her. Um. So their teacher, played by J.K. Simmons, talks about the people that they lost, um, and it includes um, Ahmed, who they they saw at the venue earlier, who was an Indian exchange student. So... Remember that. It will be important later. Um Will do. <laughs> well I know you will. <laughs> so Needy talks to Chip to like tell him that Jennifer came to her house last night and was super weird. Um and obviously like Chip doesn't believe her and also thinks that she's just like suffering through trauma. But at least, like, he wasn't there. Like, he doesn't know for sure that that happened. While, like, Jennifer is- clearly has intention to gaslight her. While Chip is just like, what?
1: Yeah, Chip is just constantly like, okay, needy.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's kind of that- that trope that I don't like where, like, people just, like, don't believe the protagonist that weird shit is happening, which, like, I get, but at the same time, like, it just kind of makes me wish that Chip could be a little more understanding.
1: Yeah, it's just like, dude, I get it. Your girlfriend's saying some weird things, but maybe try to be at least a little bit more understanding or a little bit more nice about it instead of just brushing her off as if she's making shit up.
0: Yeah, so, um, their, their classmate Colin shows up to give, like, his condolences because he heard that Needy was there during the fire. Um, and he's, like, total goth, like, he's like panic-at-the-disco-looking dude.
1: I'd, like, call him even closer to, like, My Chemical Romance, like... Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, yeah. Totally My Chemical Romance. You're right. Um, but, yeah. And I bring him up because he will be important later. Yeah. So... Uh, Jennifer talks to this jock guy in the middle of the football field. His name's Jonas. Um, earlier we see him, like, crying when the teacher is talking about the, the people who they lost. Um, and we see her, like, walk towards him in one direction, and then she appears at his other side. So I guess she can teleport now. Um, <laughs> so we know that Jonas lost a friend in the fire. I think his name was Craig.
1: Something like that, and it's, like, his best friend or someone he was extremely close with.
0: Yeah, so, um, Jennifer claims that she was probably the last person to talk to Craig before he died, um, and that Craig apparently was talking about how they would make a great couple. So, she, you know, utilizes his trauma to get him alone. They walk over to the woods and they start making out. Um... And then a bunch of animals start to gather around them. Really weird, really creepy visual. Um, and Jennifer just tells him that they're waiting. Which, he assumes means that th- the animals are gonna watch him bang, I guess?
1: Yeah, he's just like, oh,
0: cool, <laughs> well, I'm totally okay That's with weird, something. That's weird, but kinky, I guess, cool. <laughs> um... But obviously what Jennifer means is they are waiting for him to die to eat the remains. Um,
1: Yeah, they're just hungry.
0: Yeah, which is weird because there's like some of the animals that are uh, waiting around there like they're herbivores. Yeah, Um, like the good old deer. Yeah, which um, we, a teacher overhears Jonas screaming when Jennifer goes in for the kill. And he walks into the woods and finds a deer. Eating Jonas's tummy meat. Yeah,
1: it's a hungry deer. Something uh, about that boy's stomach was just like, this is perfect for me.
0: Yeah. Um. Also intercut with this, we get a scene of Needy doing like some cooking. And um, on the radio, they're talking about how Low Shoulder, the, the band from earlier, they're now considered local heroes. Because they apparently saved people during the fire, even though Needy knows that can't be true. Because she saw them basically as soon as they got out and they weren't doing anything other than kidnapping Jennifer.
1: Yeah. Um, cause kidnapping definitely is saving from the fire.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I also wrote uh, that Needy's mom is awesome. She basically gets like this one scene in the movie and that's it. But I can just tell that she's like a great mom. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and she says uh, uh, to Needy, cause she's talking about how she had like a night terror of something bad happening to Needy. Um, she says, one day you'll be crying out for me and I won't be there, which comes back later on. And I made note of that, too. Um, and we, from that, that line, we cut straight to Jonas's parents seeing his body. So, oof, right?
1: Yeah, that's just, they just are like, hey, we got two different types of parents for you. <laughs> yeah.
0: We we have this movie is really funny, but when it has like emotional moments, it hits. And it hits hardest with the parents' reactions to their kids' deaths. There's a scene later on especially um that I thought was really good. But um here is also very funny because we have um the dad yelling about how he's going to find the killer and uses nuts as a door knocker. And he's played by Patrick Starr's voice actor <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds just like him so
1: i I'm glad Patrick Starr just won some door knockers made of murderers nuts.
0: Yeah. um we also get to see Jennifer. she's skinny dipping presumably to get all the blood off um, as you do yeah. And, um, later she calls Needy, still being, like, really shitty about the fire victims and stuff when Needy tries to bring it up. Um, and from the other line, Chip calls her and asks to meet up with her. Um, and this is where we get, like, the very, probably the most famous scene from this movie, which is Jennifer burning the tip of her tongue with a lighter and then it just healing immediately. Um. Yeah. Where she says, I am a god. Um. And when Needy says she's gonna go meet Chip, she's like, you know, I think Chip is really hot. Like, he seems really hot to me lately. Um, and tries to, like, ask how big Chip's dick is. (laughs) Um, really uncomfy.
1: Yeah. Definitely a power play there.
0: Yeah, which can also be, like, that is also kind of how those relationships can go sometimes. For sure. Yeah. Um, so she goes to Chip's and, um, Chip explains that the police are here in the area because Jonas died and Jonas was his neighbor, um, which I love that little detail and that's how Needy finds out about this because it, that really helps to establish, like, how small their world is.
1: Yeah, like, it's, they're not forgetting what their setting is and so doesn't make sense that... someone's neighbors with someone else or
0: yeah like it's convenient for the plot but it also totally works with the setting they've established
1: yeah Um, it's not like say you're set in like a big city and it's like oh this dude who murdered happened to be my neighbor and you're like yeah okay (laughs)
0: um so then uh we kind of get, like, a quick montage of, like, you know, everybody's grieving and everything. But Jennifer seems to be totally fine. This is the scene where she's, like, walking in the halls with, like, the the heart jacket. Like, a pink cropped jacket with red hearts all over it. Big pink heart earrings.
1: Iconic. Iconic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Such. Mwah.
0: So, um... Also learned during this montage that Devil's Kettle is getting, like, tons of press attention. Like, people are going crazy for the the tragedies in this town. As people do.
1: Yeah. People died? Ooh, tell me more.
0: This is what true crime podcasts (laughs) are are based off of. Um. Yeah. So, um, we get that teacher, again, J.K. Simmons' teacher, talking about the, the tragedies. Um. And Jennifer seems to be in a really bad mood. She's like, this is boring. I don't want to hear about this. Um, and uh, he also mentions that Low Shoulder is donating 3% of the profits of the, the song they sang at the concert um, to Devil's Kettle and the, the people who are grieving the loss of their families. And Needy just fucking goes off. Yeah. Like, go, go off, Queen.
1: Yeah, she's just like I'm not having this shit. These guys aren't cool.
0: <laughs> please stop yeah.
1: acting like they are.
0: Yeah, and she you know, she's like, I was there, they didn't do anything, you know. They're they're yeah. lying and exploiting this this fire to get more clout, basically.
1: Yeah, she's like, I like I'm an eyewitness, please. These dudes yeah. are douchebags.
0: Um so then, as her and Jen leave class, um, she mentions that Jennifer looks really sick, which she does. Um, <laughs> she asks her if, if she's PMSing, and Jennifer's like, "God, <laughs> PMSing isn't even real. That's just another way that men can control us." And love it, iconic truth. Um, so then, Colin from earlier, the goth guy, shows out, and he uh, he shows up, and he wants to ask out Jennifer. Um, there's some very good lines in here. <laughs> the The line where he, he says, that, well, there's a midnight showing of Rocky Horror, and she's like, I don't like boxing movies. <laughs> uh, relatable content. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, self-proclaimed bimbo queen. <laughs> hey, it took me, like, four years to know what
1: Rocky Horror was and then even longer to finally watch it so like i understand
0: <laughs> for 4 years from from uh birth to or or 4 years from first hearing about it
1: um so it was like 4 like i think i was like late late high school early college when i first heard about it and then it wasn't until last year that i actually watched it
0: yeah i i'm a fake queer horror fan cuz i still haven't watched it <laughs> I was one of those people for a long time who was like, I, I can't like it because it doesn't depict trans people in, like, a good way, which is like, yeah, like, we should be open to criticizing it, but at the same time, I'm like, it is iconic, and a lot of queer people, especially, like, queer trans people love it, so I'm like, I shouldn't just be like, oh, it's problematic, and that's it, you know?
1: Yeah, um, and like the play is fun.
0: So yeah. So I still need to watch it, but I'm I'll get around to it. I'll probably review it for the podcast at some point cuz like Yeah, you
1: got to be like Jennifer. You know yeah. see that midnight showing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but she she doesn't decide to see the midnight showing with him. Um she decides to invite him over to her house. Um and uh while that is happening, um Chip comes over to Needy's house for the night, and they they get ready to fuck. So that happens. Um, While Colin goes to Jennifer's house, except it's not her house. It's some, like, abandoned building. Um, (laughs) Which he decides to break into the abandoned building, which, like... If that happened to me, I would be like, oh, shit, she gave me, like, a fake address because she's, like, she didn't actually want to go out with me or whatever. Like, I wouldn't have broken. Like, that just seemed rude to me, but whatever.
1: I think it's like, you know, it's like,
0: I'm a punk. Like,
1: this is, like, this is just normal.
0: Yeah, I guess. uh, Also, to be fair, out of, like, all of the guys that Jennifer Hurst, I mean, all of them seem, like, genuinely really nice guys. um, and. But Colin is the one that we get to know the most and like he just seems like a good guy. Like Yeah, like he It he's, sucks that he gets killed. Like he's the one
1: we get to see the most because he was friends with Needy.
0: Yeah. They they had like a class together and Needy vouched for him when Jennifer was like I don't want to go out with him and then she changes her mind cuz Needy says that he's like a really nice guy and also cuz uh, she needs to eat. Yeah,
1: and it's it's basically like Needy unknowingly killed him, but also, I think a part of it could also just be, like, Jennifer's like, oh, you're saying something good about a dude? He's gotta go.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Colin follows, um, some diegetic music up to a room that's just filled with candles, like, total ritual room. Um, and Jennifer's there, and she wants to, you know, get freaky, Uh, and he's understandably not really feeling the vibes. Um, but she kind of coerces him into it. Um, and so we cut back and forth from this scene of them making out to, uh, Chip and Needy having sex. Which, like I said, even though I'm not totally sure if, like, Needy's relationship with Chip is, like, compulsive heterosexuality or whether like I don't know how much she actually feels for him it it still is a very clear contrast between like her relationship with chip is very healthy compared to what jennifer's doing which is terrible and bad and unhealthy um um so jennifer's eyes turn like this weird yellowy color and she starts to like beat up colin and hurt him Um, and when she does that, Needy starts, like, seeing shit. Um, like, she sees blood dripping from the ceiling, and she sees dead Jonas sitting in a chair in the room with Jennifer crouched nearby.
1: She's having a bad time.
0: Yeah, um, and luckily, although it takes a little too long, in my opinion, um, Chip figures out that something's up. Um, and he's like, am I hurting you? Yada yada. Um, and he asks, he asks, am I too big? And I fucking <laughs> lost it. I, I couldn't handle that. Like, I just, I had to pause because I was laughing too hard at that. Um, because no, d- don't give yourself that much credit, dude. Um,
1: yeah, no, sorry, Chip. Yeah. I don't think that's the case.
0: Yeah. Um, so needy leaves and she gets in her car and she like turns on like as soon as she gets in her car and turns it on, the radio starts playing the the Through the Trees song that, like I said, you hear like a bunch during this movie. Um, and she just like turns it off immediately, um, speeds home and uh, she sees Jennifer in the middle of the street, covered in blood, almost hits her with her car not a fun time yeah definitely not especially because jennifer then jumps on the car and breaks the windshield
1: so needy just
0: drives home and just like starts sobbing and crying um and she's running around the house going mommy mommy um trying to find her mom like i said scene earlier where her mom said, you know, like, someday you're gonna be crying out for me and I'm not gonna be there for you. Um. So, she ends up calming down a little and she goes up into her room and Jennifer is just lying in her bed. As one does. And this is when the movie goes from implied gayness to really, really fucking gay. Yeah, the infamous scene. (laughs) The infamous makeout scene, um, where Jennifer just kind of kisses her without any explanation, and Needy starts kissing back, and they make out for a little bit. Um. So, It's
1: also during- It was also during this scene where it's also implied that this has happened before to some extent. Yeah,
0: because later in the scene, um, I mean, Jennifer first explains, like, how everything happened to her, which I'll get to in a second. Um, and, uh, but she says to, to Needy before she, she leaves, we can play boyfriend and girlfriend like we used to. So, like, yeah, that has definitely happened before. Um, so, yeah, Jennifer, uh, like, well, eventually Needy pulls away, because she's like, what is going on? Um, and Jennifer decides to explain everything. Um, so we get a flashback to her with low shoulder, um, and she's in the van with them and she asks them if they're rapists, um, and when they just kind of, like, get annoyed at her, she tries to claim that she's a virgin as a way to get out, um, saying that, like, she wouldn't even know what to do if they tried to have sex with her. Um, obviously that does nothing because, A, that's not why they're, they're kidnapping her. And B, even if it was, uh, most rapists aren't going to care about that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, they keep being like, oh, I'm a virgin, I'm a virgin, it's like, cool, like, that's not going to help in this situation, yeah. especially knowing what we know, but also, otherwise, some people prefer that. Yeah,
0: and, like, they're Ugh. they want to have all the power in that situation, they don't want you to do anything, they just want you to lie back and take it, it doesn't matter- really anything about you in that case yeah like you know yeah
1: just her like that's like i guess what they might have been trained to learn
0: yeah to protect themselves so um they they stop the van she tries to run but she gets held back by them um and she's just like screaming and begging and like you, this is the point where it becomes really obvious what this scene is a metaphor for. Um, so, um, they tie her up to, like, a rock. Um, and they reveal that they are doing a ritual. Um, I said that weird. A ritual to try and become famous. And uh, so- I find it really funny that they, they say that they want to be famous like that guy from Maroon 5. <laughs> because there's like a Tumblr post somewhere that's like somebody theorizing that the guy from Maroon Five did a ritual to become like that that Maroon Five did a ritual to become liked. But the catch is that they would they would never be anybody's favorite band because they're like, everybody likes Maroon Five. but have you ever heard anybody be like, "Oh, yeah, they're my favorite band? Yeah. And I, I just, I like to think that, that that is canon in the universe of this movie, and they know about it, and that's that's why they bring up the guy from Maroon 5 specifically. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but when Jennifer is, like, begging, and she's like, oh, you know, I'll do anything, yada yada, um, Adam Brody's character just looks at her and goes do you know how hard it is to make it as an indie band these days? That was another line where I had to pause because I was laughing so hard. Like, I didn't... Men, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they prepare to do the ritual and then they stop to sing uh, Jenny by Tommy Tutone. Yeah. And they, they stab her. He stabs her, like, just as they go into the chorus. Like, this whole scene... Like, it's, it is simultaneously both horrific and hilarious, and it is played so well. It, like, just it, the humor for me in that scene hits so hard. Like, it is exactly my kind of humor.
1: Yeah, it was written in, like, the perfect way, and, like, they knew what, they, um, the writer knew perfectly how to balance it.
0: Yeah. And the humor just, like, it serves even more. Because whenever Jennifer says anything, it is just begging and pleading. But the guys are, like, just joking around. And, like, it makes the scene simultaneously more fucked up. But also you just can't help but laugh at the sheer ridiculousness of some of these lines. And just how unexpected it is. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah so they, they stab Jennifer. But it... Doesn't actually end up killing her. Um, and needy says, well, maybe it did because now Jennifer's a totally different person. Yeah. Um, so they they threw the knife um, the the bowie knife that they used to kill her in the the waterfall hole um, and just kind of like left Jennifer there or something like I is it implied that they threw her in the hole too? I don't think so. Yeah, because Jennifer doesn't like find where everything went. So I guess they They just like left her there in the middle of the
1: forest. Yeah, she was dead. They didn't care. It's kind of, oh, once again, a common thing that happens during the thing, the assaults. Like,
0: yeah. They, like, they, the knife was the evidence. They tossed out the knife and they're like, okay, we're good. Like, um, and then, uh, Jennifer. Then Jennifer went to Needy's, we kind of skip past that, and then while she's walking home, uh, she runs into Ahmed. Who, like I said earlier, they saw at the, um, they saw at uh, Melody Lane before the fire happened. And then afterwards, he was presumed to have died in the fire. Yeah. Now we find out what really happened, which is that Jennifer found him after he made it out asked him does anybody know you're alive nope so she took him away and she killed and ate him
1: ah uh, your first kill you never forget it
0: yeah um god like it's a it's a fucked up moment um we we don't see it happen but like you feel the weight of it then Especially when, like, she asks him if anybody knows he's alive. Like. Yeah. And this is obviously a dude who's in a, probably a vulnerable enough position to begin with, being a foreign exchange student away from his home and his family. In a also, really like,
1: small town.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's also, like, I feel like it's pointed in some way that he is specifically a person of color, that he's Indian instead of just being yeah. like you know he could have been like some like a russian exchange student or french or whatever but he's not so yeah um and jennifer shows needy in the present that when she's full like she is now she heals super fast and she basically cannot be hurt cannot be killed um and then when Needy tries to ask her about, you know, like having almost hit her with the car and breaking her windshield, Jennifer once again pretends it never happens, tells Needy she's crazy, textbook gaslighting. Yeah. Um, yeah? Oh, it's just
1: like, yeah, you know, just, just the common things uh, that Jennifer's body
0: does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did not expect this movie to be as like, like to just have such clear cut examples of gaslighting as it did. Like, I was just like, you could put this, like, you could use this movie to like teach what gaslighting is.
1: Oh, for sure, and it's also like, it's another form of gaslighting that you don't normally hear talked about. Mm-hmm. It's like a friendship gaslight. Well, normally you hear it's like a partner gaslighting you. Yeah,
0: there. where whereas in I feel like. When you take Chip, that's a good example of, like, something that could be misconstrued as gaslighting, but it isn't really, like, it's invalidating what he does. But he's not outright lying to her or anything, because he doesn't know that these things happened. It's just him not believing her.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of, like, showing this, like, dynamic of, like, who's really doing the gaslighting and showing that it's not
0: always a dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Uh, Jennifer jumps out of Needy's window and just, like, vanishes. Some vampire shit going on here. <laughs> um. And then we cut to Colin's funeral. Which, oh my god, this scene. Um. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch this scene because I was very busy taking notes during it. But it's really good. hmm Um, so, first I was kind of laughing because his, his goth friends are, like, saying how he's, like, you know, in the afterlife now, like, flying with the bats or whatever, like, a bunch <laughs> of, like, weird goth shit, and you cut to his parents, and they just, look really confused at first. Mm. Um, and at first his friends are, like, being really sad about it, but then they, like, try to spin it in a positive way of being, like, no, he's exactly where he wanted to be in, you know, the underworld or whatever, and then his mom just goes off on them. Mm, it is such a good monologue oh my god with this one character who just doesn't speak or doesn't do anything else during the movie and i don't know i really like scenes and monologues like that where a character that we don't know gets to have a really emotional moment to show like the the impact and the consequences of what has happened.
1: Yeah, it gives a it gives this like unreal thing some more realistic input in this world.
0: Yeah, it gives it gives good perspective. Yeah. Um but yeah, just like I, I wish I had looked up who plays the mom, but like fucking phenomenal performance from this lady. So good. Um so Needy decides to do some paranormal research um, and she goes into the the school library where they have, like, a really tiny occult section. Um so. <laughs> And so she basically learns that, um, because Jennifer wasn't a virgin, um, what ended up happening is that, uh, the, the ritual worked for Low Shoulder, but it meant that the, um, that a demon was transferred into Jennifer because she wasn't yeah. pure. Um, and, uh, that the the best way to kill her would be to put a blade through her heart when she's hungry, obviously. Because if she's full, then she's basically invulnerable. Yeah. So she tells all of this to Chip, um, and this is the scene you mentioned where she's like, Jennifer is evil. And he's like, yeah, I know. Obviously she's <laughs> evil. Um. And she's like, no, she's evil. Evil. Yeah, not high school evil. She's evil. Um, yeah. So Needy tries to tell Chip not to go to the dance um, because she thinks that Jennifer's going to go to the dance because it's like a buffet for her. There's going to be so many boys there. Um, yeah. And Chip doesn't believe her. And so in an attempt to try to protect him, she breaks up with him, thinking he won't go to the dance then, right? Yeah. So she,
1: yes. Yeah. I was
0: just like, it's
1: just like a scene where he's like, oh, she's just going crazy. Like over Jen, I guess like, this is just like Mm -hmm. some weird, like shit or whatever. Like, like this is weird. And then like, oh, oh, this is just an excuse to break up with me. I see how it is. Like,
0: there's, there's kind of this like theme of this movie, which like, I think is, is true to, to some extent. Um, we're like. This theme of, like, guys will never be able to understand, like, the nuances of relationships between women. And they're never mm-hmm. going to understand what it's like to be one. Um And obviously, like, when I say this, I'm talking about cis men. You know? Like, it, obviously. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just saying this because, like, sometimes when you talk about shit like this, it comes off kind of turfy if you don't specify. Yeah. It's definitely that way, and it's definitely, like, just
1: something that, like, it's hard sometimes because, like, you don't get a lot of media or any coverage showing the the inner workings of these friendships and, uh, yeah. and relationships.
0: Yeah. Uh, there, there's always, like, this stereotype of, like, oh, girls are so mean, they're so catty, yada yada. And this is a piece of media that kind of, like, explores that without necessarily, like, shaming girls for being that way you know it explores why is that and why does this happen and even though it is overblown in media a lot of the time why does it still ring true for so many people
1: yeah it's definitely like a good examination of like toxic friendships and especially like female friendships yeah toxicity
0: and that that's what i'm saying with like chip chip isn't a woman and he isn't in like, female shoes, so he's never going to fully understand the, the like you said, the nuances of the relationship between them. Um, yeah. So I think, in that sense, like, I appreciate that about his character, that he doesn't believe needy, because to me, that represents how he's never going to fully understand their relationship.
1: Yeah, and I feel like maybe the point of him in the story was just to be that male perspective and, like, yeah. be that person who just doesn't get it. Yeah, because... Because there's always going to be that person who doesn't get it.
0: Yeah, because a lot of times to write a movie about, like, women's relationships or about women in general, you need a man to contrast that. Because women... The, the whole identity of women is so based on their relationship to men, Um, which... Now this is looping back around to to me and my my personal identity. It that's part of the reason why I can't fully identify with with womanhood, um, and why I'm a non binary lesbian and I know this is like this is a thing that this is a reason that it's such a common identity, and like this is what I've heard from other people who share the same identity as me, is it's kind of like when the the whole concept of being a woman comes down to a lot of times, like, serving a man and what you do for the man and your attraction to men and yada yada, when you want no part in that, then it's suddenly, like, you can't connect to the concept of being a woman at all, right?
1: Yeah, there's definitely this, like, it's society and especially, like, Western society is so, like, male-dominated with females serving, as you said, to them. It's like, yeah. if we take like, apart this and like look at it separately, mm-hmm. it's like, well, it's literally in the name. Wuh-man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously there are plenty of lesbians who identify as women. In fact, there's a lot of trans lesbians who identify as women, obviously. But... The the fact that this is a common experience to so many people really shows that, like, you can't- you almost can't separate the binary genders from each other. It's this weird thing, but- but men are allowed to exist on their own, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. while a woman's existence is always tied and connected to the man in a- in this inextricable way that, like, men aren't. Um- Yeah. Anyways, um, all this to say that they they dance dance happens.
1: Uh, it's time to party.
0: Yeah. So um, we get this scene where um we get to see like Chip and Needy getting ready and Jennifer as well. Um, Chip's mom tries to give him pepper spray. Um, and it's funny because it's woman's pepper spray. Um. Which is another fun gender thing in this movie, is that they, they you know, Jennifer gets violated in this way. And then, I say fun, and then I proceed to talk about how she's violated. <laughs> okay, but, like, how how it flips the script. How in this movie, men are the ones who have to be afraid of going outside, you know?
1: Yeah, it's not like how in so many, like, horror movies, how... Females are the ones getting chased or being, like, mm. hunted down. It's like, nah, you men gotta watch yeah. out. Yeah. Because there's a killer on the ride. Yeah,
0: and it's really pointed in the way that she gives him pepper spray that literally says women's pepper spray on it. Because men don't need that shit most of the time. Yeah. Um, and there's
1: a reason he's just so put off by it at first. Yeah,
0: but he does take it. Um, And uh, we see Needy in this fucking incredible dress it's so tacky and i love it yeah i was like
1: i i look at that dress and i'm like wow that's yeah. that's some pretty and pink kind of level dress
0: it is bright hot pink super puffy like shiny satin um and she's got her hair all like super curled and fluffed up um she looks amazing like like i said like ridiculous but still fucking incredible
1: yeah, it it feels like something that like isn't as in the like 2000s as a lot of the other wardrobe up to this point.
0: Yeah. Um so Jennifer we see her putting on makeup to to hide how sick she looks cuz she hasn't been getting her her daily help in a meet on. Yeah, she hasn't been getting her daily help in a <laughs> boy meet. Um <laughs> and she is just smearing on foundation with her bare hands. Um, so needy goes to the dance because she's, you know, keeping an eye out for Jennifer. (coughs) God, I've been talking so much. My throat hurts. (laughs) Um, while Chip goes to the park alone, he told his mom he was going to the dance, but he just goes to the park and, like, sits on a bench alone. Um, and Jennifer follows him there. Um... And she talks to him about how she's all worried about Needy, um, and needs to tell him something important, um, because Needy was actually cheating on him with Colin, and that's why she's so sad about him dying, actually. Yeah. And obviously that's not true. Um.
1: No, not at all, like... Even though I think earlier in the movie, Jennifer also teases, or one of them teases, uh, Needy about her friendship with Colin. Yeah, there,
0: there's a couple of different scenes where, um, like, the first time that they, they Colin is introduced, like, Chip is there too, and he's like, how do you know Colin? Um, and then later when uh, he, he hears that she talked to Colin again, he's like, wow, talking again with your friend Colin, like, you can kind of tell that he's a little sus, but he's not making a big yeah. deal of it. Um, and Jennifer takes advantage of that. Yeah. So she decides to, to come on to him, be like, oh, well, I've always cared about you so much, and you deserve better than her, like,
1: you know. Yeah, very much, like, once again, showing her power.
0: Yeah, and, and when they start making out, because, of course, um, she even asks him to, to say that she's better than Needy, um, which like ob- obviously another big theme of this movie is like how female friends feel the need to compete with each other
1: and sometimes you like like the jennifers of a friend group or the friendship will always need to keep the needies down yeah. like make sure they are always below them and know they are yeah. like in Je- earlier in the movie when Jennifer asked needy to wear something cute Needy purposely makes sure not to wear something that would overshadow uh, shadow Jennifer yeah. in any she way. She even
0: says that she's not allowed to show her cleavage because having tits is Jennifer's thing. When, in yeah. reality, they both have boobs. That's just part of their bodies.
1: Yeah, but it's just like Jennifer is just like, nope, that's my thing, you stay you. Yeah, so
0: um, <laughs> Needy stalled the dance and... Low Shoulder is playing there, and you can just see the rage in Needy's eyes. Um, But after a couple of minutes of listening to them play, she suddenly realizes Jennifer's not going to be at the dance. And I think part of that is, like, she's like, wait, why would Jennifer be at the dance if Low Shoulder is playing there? She wouldn't want to be anywhere near these guys, right? Yeah, they think she's dead. Yeah, and also, she's probably, like, still kind of terrified of them a little bit. Um, Yeah. So she she leaves and just starts running because she realizes that Jennifer took advantage of the fact that needy told Chip not to go to the dance. Jennifer predicted she would do that and she is specifically going after Chip because he's vulnerable. Um so yeah. Jen leads um Chip to the the big climactic setting of this movie which is this really gross indoor pool that's been abandoned um it's so good it's so great
1: yeah it's it's such it's it's just solid and something that once again it's a small town that might have been bigger at one point but has abandoned many things because they don't have the funds yeah
0: it's so gross and i love it um and jennifer tells chip that she feels empty he thinks that means because of everything terrible that's happened, but we know what she really means.
1: She hung She Hungy And you're <laughs> She Hungy and the thing she wants is your meat. Yeah. So Literally Yeah,
0: Chip refuses to kiss Jennifer again because he feels weird about it, and she just tosses him straight into that pool. Um So Needy's still running, she's running in this bright pink fucking dress, and she finds the corsage that Chip said that he had gotten for her, and then hears him scream. Um, and when she gets there, Jennifer's already feasting down on his neck, but he's alive! He's not dead. Woo! (laughs) Um, and Needy crosses herself, and she goes, please give me the power to crush this bitch! (laughs) So good. I wrote down so many lines in this movie, because there are so many good ones. The head so well done yeah so um she tries to drown jennifer for a second it looks like it worked but luckily chip gives her the pepper spray right before jennifer pops back up um and jennifer vomits weird gross blood stuff on them and just starts levitating (laughs) (laughs) there's a very good line where uh chip is like oh my god she's flying and he just goes she's just hovering it's not that impressive Yeah, it's like, uh, who gives a shit? We need to live. Let's go. (laughs) It's so good. It's like they're so petty, just in like the most perfect, most accurate way. It's it. mm. So how would be when you ending the friendship? (laughs) Yeah. So needy accuses Jennifer of never being a good friend. Like, brings up some stuff in their childhood, and like I said, we saw in the flashback before that. Jennifer was kind of mean to her even back then, um, and she accuses Jennifer not only of being insecure, but also of having an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. which is just, like, for me, that was just, like, a whoa moment, um, I, I can't tell how much it's supposed to be dropped as, like, almost a reveal, but it, it almost feels that way to me, of, like, this reveal that Jennifer isn't infallible, you know? Yeah.
1: I definitely feel that, and it's also, like, interesting considering the way that she kills is by eating. Yeah. So, it could be that there was, even if it wasn't intentional, it's still, like, because of that line, it's, like, the way she kills has to do with one of her biggest struggles when she was still fully human.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's still a struggle. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, you could, like, do a reading of this movie where, like, where it's about eating disorders and that her feasting on men is like a metaphor for that. Um, Obviously there's a, I mean, there's a lot of metaphorical stuff going on in this movie. Some of it is really obvious, um, but that, that is definitely something that I would want to look more into. Um, So Jennifer decides that she's going to kill Needy and Needy points out she only kills boys. (laughs) And, And Jennifer just says, I go both ways iconic <laughs> yeah literally iconic Um, but she doesn't get a chance to do anything cause Chip fucking impales her with like the fucking like pool scooper heck yeah and then he immediately passes out cause he's a little bitch
1: yeah um. he, he's
0: like I did it I
1: did an epic thing I came through <laughs> time to die
0: <laughs> I've peaked I'll never get better than this <laughs>
1: i've peaked i killed the bitch <laughs> so
0: I'm sorry. yeah um and then jennifer asks needy if she's got a tampon <laughs> also iconic so good. um so jennifer leaves just kind of vanishes um and needy rushes over to chip and holds him as he dies um and there's a really sweet line in there. Like, this is the one thing that kind of makes me think, like, no, I think their relationship is genuine to some extent. Um, I mean, it, it's something from Chip's side, but, like, I just, I felt this so strongly. Um, where he says, uh, I think I did die, but then I woke up again when I heard your voice. Like, God damn it. Like me, I definitely You made me like him.
1: <laughs> like he's it's definitely something where I definitely feel that like needy a hundred percent really cares for Chip. I mean there's a reason she mm-hmm. like breaks up with him. Like there are definitely her motivation yeah. is to protect him. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like I think she also very much is gay and that's her yeah. struggle through the movie. She's like, I already know
0: I kinda like Chip, but yeah. Jennifer. I, I And the reason that I, I feel this way, by the way, we didn't talk about it, and that the reason that I, I think Needy might just straight up be a lesbian is because her sex scene with Chip is very neutral. It's It's weird. And, you know, she gets, like, super freaked out halfway through it, and they don't finish the deed or anything, and obviously it's because she starts hallucinating. She doesn't even seem to be really super into it before that, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely think there might not be this sexual desire, but there's definitely this 100% romantic, like, caring and love for him to that Yeah,
0: where compared to the scene with Jennifer, where they make out, she's super into it immediately, even though she, like, it's a super bad time for it, you know?
1: Yeah, there's definitely, like, they have this chemistry that she just doesn't have with Chip.
0: Yeah. Um... But yeah, so, um, Chip dies, and we cut to Needy laying in her bed, dirty, still in her dress, um, and we just kind of see, like, her, in in that moment, like, her resolve strengthen.
1: She's getting that power to kill the bitch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, um, then we go back to the scene from the beginning of the movie, where Jennifer's in bed, and now we see that she's going through the yearbook. And circling boys that she wants to eat. Um,
1: yeah, why then, circle the ones you want to kiss when you can circle the ones that are
0: going to be a great <laughs> meal? <laughs> she, she even she even writes yum next to one of them in all caps so we know what she's doing. Um, as if we couldn't have guessed. Um, and then Needy just bursts through the window all of a sudden. Um, and this is when we get the big girl fight. Hell yeah, give me that cat fight. Yeah. With
1: murderous intent, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and uh, partway through it, Jen takes uh, a big bite out of Needy, um, and even like licks her lips and goes mmm confirming even more that like yes, Jennifer is definitely into women as well.
1: Yeah, if it wasn't clear already.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, she uh, uh Needy takes out a box cutter. To kill Jennifer with. Um, To which Jennifer goes, Do you get all of your murder supplies from Home Depot? God, you're so butch. (laughs) I love it. Um, So she slashes Jennifer's stomach, makes a big X across it, which is a reference to this line from earlier where uh, Jennifer always goes, Boo, cross out needy, and makes it like an X in the air.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Um, And Jennifer starts floating, um, until, uh, Needy rips off her BFF necklace and she falls back down. Um, cause they have little matching necklaces that say BFF on them.
1: Yeah, like, the real, like, I think it's something they've had since they were, like, you know, in kindergarten.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: The real signifier, like, it was already obvious that the friendship was drifting and that was, like, the final straw.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that it, obviously it's a, a way to show, like, the, the friendship ending but i also find it interesting that as soon as as soon as she like ends the friendship jennifer literally falls for her you know like there's there's still the romantic connotation in there as well um so then um aniti lands right on top of her with the box cutter going straight into the heart (laughs) or and (laughs) yes
1: I was going to say and Jennifer is being like and it says oh my boob.
0: Yeah, she says my tit. <laughs> Those are famous last words. Um and Jennifer yeah, Jennifer dies. Um and I find it really notable that um unlike the the male victims where uh for example, Colin's mom described him as looking like lasagna with teeth. Um jennifer looks beautiful even in death she's got a totally like you know she she looks no blood on her face or anything totally pristine um just kind of you you can't even see a visible stab wound it just looks like there's a bunch of blood smeared on her chest that's it
1: yeah so they definitely the way they treat like the male victim versus like jennifer has this very different respect to it and Mm -hmm. like symbolism
0: yeah, so um the light turns on and Jennifer's mom walks in. uh Oh yeah.
1: There's a girl in my bed and there's blood.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so then we go back to the the very beginning of the movie with um Needy in solitary confinement in jail. And uh she now tells the audience that she got some of Jennifer's powers through being bitten. So, she levitates up to the only window in solitary confinement, and she makes a clean getaway.
1: Thanks, Jen, you Bust gave me the power. straight through the fence outside. <laughs> if one thing this can state is it's like, you know what, sometimes your trauma- Makes you stronger.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes, and <laughs> most of the time it just fucks you up, though. <laughs> um. So, finally, um, we get to see where a uh, devil's kettle, where the um waterfall comes from, where it goes. I mean, yeah, because Je- um, because Needy finds the Bowie knife on the ground in a puddle of water with. All of the orange ping pong balls from the beginning of the movie. Um. And she picks up the Bowie knife. And takes it with her. Um. And the last scene before the credits is, um. Her hitchhiking. And telling the guy who she gets in the car with. Um. That she's following a band. And that it's going to be their last performance. Um. And I found it really interesting how, um, she gets in the car with, like, this old man, right? Yeah. And right away your instinct is like, oh, this old guy's gonna be creepy towards her and she's gonna kill him, right? Mm. But that's not what happens. He just seems like, he seems like a, like a genuinely nice old dude, you know? Who's just trying to help her out. And there's no implication that she's gonna kill him or take advantage of that or anything. She's just out for low shoulder.
1: Yeah, he's just, like, this chill old dude He's like, hey, I'll help you, lady, where you going? Yeah. Oh, the concert? That's nice.
0: Yeah. So I just, I really like that contrast of showing that, like, even with the powers, like, Needy is a better person than Jennifer is. Um, but she still cares about Jennifer, and that's why she's going to go after Low Shoulder. Um, and the the credit scene is a bunch of, like, uh, like, camcorder footage of low shoulder on their tour doing drugs and, you know, partying and whatever. Making um, it in as
1: that indie band.
0: Yeah. Um, before it cuts to uh like crime scene stills of them having been murdered in their hotel room. And they deserved it, it. Yeah. And then at the very end we see surveillance camera footage of Needy walking through the Hotel, hallways, obviously having been the murderer. So, good for her!
1: Yeah, you know, get revenge for the fuckers who killed your best friend.
0: Yeah. And first love. Of course. Yeah, just what you do. So, yeah, that's Jennifer's body. Solid. I'm glad you. I finally watched it. It's
1: so good and just. It's so underappreciated in its um original release.
0: Yeah. I'm glad that it's gained like a, a cult following and that it, it has you know like a new wave of success.
1: It's finally reaching the audience it was always meant to reach. Yeah. Like it wasn't meant to be like for men, which is how the marketing team at Fox did it. Yeah. And that's just why it became such a critical failure yeah. at its time.
0: Could you hear Josie meowing? Yeah. Oh, very good. What a good girl. Hey there, kitty. So, so yeah. Fun. um, Yeah, Megan, that's... where can people find you? Well, I am on Instagram
1: as Zabuki Quinn. Uh, yeah. Quinn with two N's. Like Harley Quinn?
0: Yes. And And Ibuki, uh, like, the Danganronpa character.
1: You're two icons. Yep. Two people who very much fit me. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's where I am. I post sometimes regularly. It
0: varies. (laughs) You are the only person so far to actually- Wait, no, Delta did plug his socials. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first episode I've had where where everybody plugged their socials, because it was just you. Um, <laughs> not that anybody has to but I just find it funny um, no
1: but it's nice sometimes <laughs> yeah
0: um, and then I'm at Silky Wishes basically everywhere um, the specifics are down in the episode description um, and also uh, now Fear Bliss has a TikTok at Fear Bliss Pod on TikTok um, I'm going to be posting little episode highlights Maybe some other stuff. We'll see how it goes. Just trying to, like, find my reach, find my audience. TikTok is a really convenient place for that. Um, and uh, also, I keep on forgetting to mention that uh, we do have an email if you want to send feedback, suggestions, whatever. Just tell me how much you like the podcast. It's fearblisspod at gmail.com. So, hell yeah. Yep. So we yeah. like horror in this house. <laughs> we do. We definitely do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh. Yeah.
1: Until next yeah. time, I guess. Yeah. Until next time. Have a fearful day.
0: <laughs> That's actually <laughs> really cute. <laughs> I'm. I'll think about it. Maybe. Maybe I'll use that. Thank you very much, Megan. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. bye.